Before the human race harnessed the power of fire, there was only darkness. An inky black foreboding abyss that concealed danger, mystery, and fear. Into that darkness brave men would not venture. For as the map says, here, there be monsters. Good evening and welcome to Here There Be Monsters podcast. I am your captain, Derek Hayes. I thought I'd change things up slightly for this evening's show. As I hinted in a recent episode of Bare Bones, tonight's show will be all about shadow people. But before we get too far into that, let's get this out of the way. If you've seen something strange or experienced something otherworldly, I want to hear your story. Please consider giving the Here There Be Monsters podcast hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. You know the deal. The call is free, it's fast, and it's easy. Now, of course, if you prefer, you can always submit via your keyboard at www.heretherebemonsterspodcast.com forward slash contact. Now, I think it goes without saying that both myself and your fellow listeners would prefer to hear your story in your own voice, so please consider calling in over submitting via the web. All right, you get the point? Let's get on with tonight's broadcast. Perhaps no fear is more primal than that of the fear of the dark. As the prologue to this show suggests, darkness is the genesis of most fears. Be it the fear of the deepest, darkest waters, the pitch-black stillness of the midnight hour, or the shadowy corners and basements of our homes and establishments. Many are quick to explain that it's not the blackness that they fear, but what's hidden inside. As a primal fear, it's often suggested that nyctophobia or fear of the dark, stems from our days as hunters and gatherers. Many large predators are nocturnal, which would make the nighttime hours our most perilous. A healthy fear of the dark could be what kept us alive night after night. So it seems possible that that ancient fear is so ingrained that we suffer from it still today. Of course, in today's society, it's no longer super predators that we'd fear. Our great concerns are no longer lions and wolves, but instead they've been replaced with more fanciful terrors. Creatures such as boogeymen, aliens, ghosts, 
and tonight's subject, shadow people. Unlike the before-mentioned creatures, shadow people seem to have no known origin, nor do they seem to have any rhyme or reason to their appearance. We do not know where they come from, we do not know what they want or what their intentions are. So perhaps it's this fact that makes them so terrifying. As it is with the darkness, it's what we don't know that truly scares us. Tonight's first story comes to us from Florida and was submitted via the website. When I was six, I lived in a duplex in Coral Springs, Florida. We lived on the top house and had neighbors who lived under us. One night, I woke up in the middle of the night, wide awake. I leaned up on my arm, looking out my open door to the hallway, which had a light on to act as a nightlight, since, like most kids that age, the darkness worried me. I was thinking about how weird it was that I just woke up at that time, but I shook it off and tried to get back to sleep. When out of nowhere, a black figure walked from the hallway to the side of my bed where I was sitting up. The figure was all black, and I could not see a face, but I could tell it was a girl, a little taller than me. She looked at me and uttered the word, flowers, while holding out her hand, then dove directly under my bed. The first thing I thought was it had to have been one of my sisters playing a trick on me. So I called out my younger sister Amanda to come out from under the bed. No one came out. I kept on calling for her to come out. And so my oldest sister, April, came in to check on me. She said Amanda was in bed in her room, and we both looked under my bed, and there was no one there. There was no possible way for it to be one of my sisters, and for someone to come out from under the bed without me seeing them. The only other time something weird happened in the house was one morning both my closet doors were trying to bang open from the inside for a couple of minutes. My mom told me it might have been our two cats that we had, but but I never opened the doors that day. I actually saw the cats later that same day. I guess it could have been them, but maybe not. Thank you for submitting your account. I don't know what it is, but when I hear about entities muttering a single word, such as flowers, it gives me a shiver. It's almost as if it takes all the energy the thing can muster to utter that one word. Another aspect to this encounter that is new to me is the fact that the shadow girl dove under the bed. What an odd thing for it to have done. Did it originate from there? Was it hiding? It is certainly an odd choice. Thank you again for submitting. It was a great little story. Our next call comes from someone so familiar with the subject that he wrote a book on it. Yes, my name is Philip Hines. I'm the author of the new novel, Shadow People, which released August 2nd. I uh, saw on your Instagram post the Shadow People topic, and I felt that I wanted to call in. It's a very interesting topic to me and a very... uh, fascinating phenomenon that a lot of people around the world have experienced and yet nobody really knows what they are. I wrote the book 
partially because of my interest in them because nobody knows what they are. And I thought that a novel would be a good way to indulge into the um, theories and ideas of what they are, even if it is a work of fiction. I do explore some of the theories within the book and also touch on some of my own personal experiences. One experience that I had that isn't in the book was the first time that I ever saw a shadow person. I was probably about eight years old and I had fallen asleep in our living room. The way the living room was set up was there was a couch. In front of the couch to the right was a swiveling rocking chair and then a TV at the far end of the room. I had fallen asleep on the couch and I'm not sure what time I woke up, but it was early in the morning, like four or five in the morning. And everybody else had long since gone to bed. The entire house was dark, TV was off, but the swiveling chair I noticed started to move. And I thought it might've been my mom or my dad, but then when it was facing me, I noticed that it was a tall, dark figure that was void of any distinguishable features pretty much looked just like a shadow and then it had red dark glowing eyes that terrified me and so I just closed my eyes as tightly as I could hoping that if I didn't move or make any noises it would simply leave or leave me alone and I laid there for a while I'm not sure how long but I noticed the kitchen light had turned on and I heard my dad cough in the kitchen so I jumped over the back of the couch ran straight to my bedroom and laid there with the lights on And I I think most everybody has experienced shadow people, even if they don't maybe realize it. Um, A lot of the forms out there that I've read and people I've talked to and doing research for the novel Shadow People, they talk about seeing a shadow in their peripheral move. And when they look, there's nothing there. Or when they're driving down the road, and they think they see a person dash across the street and when they get there the road is empty the sidewalks are empty i think a lot of people see them and don't realize it which is interesting when you take into consideration how many people report them through the forums or or different things like that another experience i had is actually in the book i actually put it in the prologue my main character walks out of a grocery store and walking through a empty parking lot across the street he notices one of the shadow people standing outside a halo of light um, provided by a street lamp and that was one experience I had when I was 20 21 years old I had bought a pack of cigarettes from a convenience store and I was leaving walking across the parking lot and I noticed across the street I saw a shadowy figure standing there and by the time I got to my car it was gone so I'm, I'm not sure it could have been a person but As a horror writer, I try to think outside the box. And of course, writing the book, I had a lot of those passing shadows in the peripheral of my eye where I'd look and there'd be nothing there. And a lot of that could be contributed to the fact that I was writing a book based on on shadow people and just my mind playing tricks and running away with me. But there's a lot of theories on what they might be. Um, Ghosts, demons, time travelers, or even a a government conspiracy. I find that a you know a government conspiracy is probably the most far-fetched and least likely. But honestly, I don't think anybody will ever really know what they are, or what they want, or why they come around, when, and and why. And in, in writing the book, 
I got the opportunity to talk to a lot of people that have experienced it. And the one thing that pretty much everybody experienced is a, a feeling of terror and fright, which I, I know I felt when I was eight years old sleeping on that couch. So if I had to guess, I would say whatever they are is probably evil or, or not welcoming at least. Again, if your listeners are interested, it can be purchased either on Amazon or other bookstores such as Barnes & Noble. If you purchase the paperback version from Amazon, it will give you the option to do the ebook for free. But uh, thank you for your time and um, look forward to hearing the podcast. Thank you, Philip. I really like the idea of a fiction story about this subject. In a market saturated with ghosts and aliens and the other usual suspects, it's fun to imagine stories based on a lesser-known phenomenon. As for your stories, the first encounter sounds downright terrifying. It's no surprise that experiencing something like that at such an early age has had such a lasting effect on you. And in regards to your second encounter, it sounds a lot like the story I played in last week's episode about the stranger on a military base in South Carolina. Both mysterious men seemed to be watching from a distance, obscured by shadows and somehow menacing without so much as making a move. So thank you again, Philip, for sharing, and as he mentioned, please check out his book if you have a moment. I've included a link to it in the episode show notes. In addition, if you'd like to reach out to Philip in regards to a sighting you've had, he can be reached at Heinz Writing Blog at Yahoo.com. Heinz is spelled H I N E S. Thank you again, Philip. Now, our next submission is quite a lengthy one. I've opted to read only a portion of the submission, but if you'd like to check out the story in its entirety, you can find it in this episode's show notes. Here is that portion. I never intended on putting this into print, but here is one of the many encounters I've had with what I will never really fully understand. Up until I was 15, my parents and I lived in a ranch-style home in Waterford, Michigan, on a street named Dormus Avenue. The house was built around 1955 and had a crawl space and all the normal creaks and knocks throughout the night. Nothing special, just your average three-bedroom home. The Waterford area was once used by the native Potawatomi and the Ottawa Indians as a hunting and fishing territory. I remember I was about 10 years old and I used to fall asleep in our TV room that had a daybed and wallpaper of what looked like a scene of many trees and plants. So I dozed off about 10 p.m. after watching a Pistons game. And around 1 a.m., I hear my dad get up to use the restroom, and I see him walk past down the hall, and I hear him close the bathroom door. I turn onto my back, and I lie there until I went back to sleep. After about five minutes, I feel the bed move as if someone leaning over the rail above my head. I clear my eyes and gain my focus, and I see hovering above me a dark shadow. Thinking it was my dad, I ask, What's wrong? I get no response. I hear my dad in the other side of the house, in the kitchen, and my mom moving around in her bedroom. The dark figure just leaned over me, and I hear the water from the kitchen sink from the other side of the house, 
I knew it wasn't my mom. She was in bed. And I knew it was not my father. I lied flat on my back in fear. Then I noticed the smell of what was like a rotting animal on the side of the road. I tried to hold my breath, but couldn't because I was in so much fear. The figure peered into my eyes, and all I could see was a dark outline. I noticed outlining the facial area was what looked like long hair and feathers. I could still remember the one feather sticking out from the left, and being able to see my ceiling through the texture of it. I began to feel a pressure in my chest as the figure hovered above my face, and then I heard my dad walk down the hall and into my parents' bedroom. I closed my eyes for at least a few seconds, and when I opened them, the figure was gone. After that night, I felt a presence I never felt before in that house. I would come home from school or wake up the next morning and find objects in my room misplaced. We had a detached garage where my dad had his band equipment and drums, and I would hear what was like someone hitting the drum or the sound of someone knocking them over. We were all inside, in bed, and the garage was fully secured. But sure enough, I would go out there the next morning and find sticks or a drum lying on the garage floor. As I said, this is one of my many encounters I experienced in that house. Now, every person always has that corner-of-your-eye experience when it comes to the paranormal. After my first encounter with whatever it was sharing my home with my family and I, I grew accustomed to them. Often when I was playing in my room on the floor with my 500 Legos or whatever, I would notice something standing in my doorway. It was either very tall or very slender with what looked to be a staff or a spear in its hand. Or sometimes it was the size of a male child of about 8 years old. It was always dark and its eyes were just bright enough to see where they were on the shape's face. I knew it was there because I could feel it watching me and I got chills. If the room grew cold, I wouldn't notice due to the fact that I love cold weather. Whenever one of my parents would walk down the hall to their room, which was across from mine, it would disappear. I often had these visits due to the fact that I rarely went outside and was an only child. Now, yes, I have a very vast imagination, but this was in no way my subconscious conjuring up an imaginary friend. I had friends at school and such, but once a nerd, always a nerd. One late afternoon, I was in my room practicing with my plastic throwing stars, and I threw one that went out into the hallway. I chased after it, and I stepped out into the hall and felt a strong pressure on my shoulders, like something was trying to stop me mid-step. Thank you for submitting your story. Like I said, if you'd like to read it in its entirety, head over to this episode's show notes. The description of the shadow entity almost sounds as though the submitter is seeing something completely different. The details about the feathers are unlike any other accounts I've heard regarding shadow people. In fact, the description is almost reminiscent of that of the Wendigo, a cannibalistic monster or spirit of Native American legend said to be comprised of rotting flesh. The Wendigo is said to possess people, turning them into ravenous beasts. Sightings of Wendigo are rare, if not completely non-existent. I've yet to hear a single account from a witness that claimed to have seen one. That does not mean that these do not exist, nor does it mean that that's not what our submitter witnessed. I encourage you all to head over to the show notes and form your own opinion. 
Thank you again for sharing your encounters. Our final call for the evening took place in Mexico. The following account comes to us from John. Hey, monsters. John here. Um, I had a, a weird experience uh, several years back in 2008. I was serving a mission for my church in Mexico. Uh, at the time, I was in a city called Mexicali. It's a border town. There's not a lot of people there. It's really quiet. At night, you can hear a pin drop. Um, and I was living in this apartment that was attached to a family's house. It was kind of like an in-law unit. And the family were members of the church that we belonged to. And... and so one night, uh, I, I went to bed. I was living in that in-law unit with a companion, uh, another missionary, and it was just us two. We slept in the same room. Uh, we slept in two twin-size beds that were on opposite sides of the room. And I woke up one night, and I felt something uh, dropping on my hand. I, I looked up. It woke me up. I looked up, and I thought it was coming from the ceiling, it felt wet, and and I, I noticed out of the corner of my eyes that somebody was standing by my bed, and I thought it was my companion, my first thought. I, it was a really dark shadow, and it looked like the, the shadow was kind of rocking back and forth, and so my first thought was that my companion was sleepwalking, and I didn't know if he'd it on me, it was the weirdest, I couldn't figure it out. I'm sure maybe five seconds passed, but I was thinking, I was really trying to figure out what was going on, and I said, Elder, that was his name, and didn't, he's still swaying back and forth. And I said, Elder again, and went out to, to wake him, to touch him, and didn't feel anything, and I thought maybe I just, I couldn't reach him, because I couldn't, I couldn't, how far he was away and I, I was very confused which is when I heard him roll over in the bed across the room and I looked over and, and saw that and I don't think I've ever moved so quickly in my life to jump out of bed and turn on the lights and to see my companion in his bed and no longer see whatever entity it was that was swaying back and forth staring at me and nothing was there anymore um, I didn't think much of it. I I decided to just go back to bed, leave the lights on. But uh, I didn't tell anybody about it that night or the next day. Come come to find out, a few days later, we were having dinner with the family that was attached to our in-law unit. And the bishop of our church knocks at the door, and he's speaking to somebody, and I ask what's going on. And they they said that they had seen this really weird, dark form walking through their house over the past couple of weeks each member of the family had seen it at one time and they finally decided to call the bishop to come in and perform some sort of exorcism or to bless the house and that's when I finally opened up and was like holy crap I had a similar experience um, after that night that the bishop came no, no one else had any experience with the dark form and I don't know still quite what to think of it and why it was standing so close to me at my bed. Um, 
but still to this day, whenever I see a scary movie or something silly, if I see something that's reminiscent of my experience, I have to walk out, I have to walk away. It's, it's, it really jolts me still. Um, but yeah, so uh, there's my creepy horror story. Thanks. Thank you, John. That's quite the story. I have to know, what was the wet substance you felt on your hand? Out of curiosity, I did a little digging and found another story that seems to depict another shadow man that left a liquid residue after an appearance. The following story is from yourghoststories.com and was posted by Ryan Rowe 82 back on October 1st of 2012. Here is that story. This takes place at a house which was my mom's boyfriend's at the time, in Phoenix, Arizona. I was lying on the couch in the living room talking to my girlfriend on the phone. The living room was connected to the kitchen by a small 5 by 10 foot area, which I'm guessing was supposed to serve as some sort of dining room, but the space was left empty for as long as I lived there, except for two bar stools at the counter. While on the couch with the kitchen behind me, I was staring at the wall in front of me while I talked. Out of nowhere, a shadow of a person went from right to left and startled me enough to make me turn around as fast as I saw it. Nothing nor no one was there. The back and front doors were locked. The only person in the house besides me was my older sister Kelly. But she was in the master bedroom talking to her boyfriend on the other line. I knew it wasn't her. Because when I realized no one was there behind me, I went straight to the room to ask her if she came out, but she was still lying on the bed talking on the phone. I asked if she just went out there, but she said she hadn't. I shook my head and I let it go, thought to myself, I was just seeing things. I went back out to the living room and sat down on the couch for a little while until I got off the phone. When I hung up, I shut off all the lights in the front of the house and went to the bedroom to hang out with my sister. It wasn't long until my sister started asking some questions. She said it sounded like someone was picking up the phone somewhere in the house, then hanging it up. It didn't take long for us to get a little creeped out. She told her boyfriend she'd call him back in a little bit because she wanted to see what was up with the other line. Right after she hung up, she picked the phone back up to hear a dial tone. But every time she hit a number, another number would be pressed that she didn't dial. That went on for a while. We couldn't dial out and... Neither of us had our cell phones. The only thing we could do was sit in the room with the door locked, trying to figure out how we were going to get out of the house or get a hold of someone. We didn't want to go out the window. We felt somewhat secure in the room behind a locked door. After so long, though, you have to switch to plan B. Our plan B was to slowly exit the room, quietly make my way down the hallway, peek around the corner where the other phone for that line was, The best weapon we could find was a metal pipe that connects to an old-school vacuum cleaner. She slowly unlocked the door, which was frightening me at the time, and I crept out of the room. Walking down the hallway, I would stop periodically to listen for noises. I didn't hear anything, so I proceeded further to the end of the hallway. I didn't see anyone by the front door or the family room. But then, a noise of hundreds of drips of water hitting the carpet was in the direction toward the phone. I turned my head and saw a shadowy figure in the dark, standing 
right there next to the phone, and it looked as if it was reaching out toward me. I ran incredibly fast back toward the room and slammed the door shut and locked it in a panic. We didn't know what to do other than pick up the phone and try to call the police, if we could get through. It took a few tries because the extra numbers kept dialing, but within a minute or so we finally got through. The police showed up and we met them at the front door. Yes, we booked it pretty damn quick to get to it. The police came in, we turned on the lights and found the back Arcadia door was open about five inches. It was shut and locked when I left that room. They stayed with us until we packed up and got out of there to stay somewhere else for the night. My mom and her boyfriend were having a night out and staying at a hotel, so we were kind of house-sitting while they were gone. I've had other experiences in this house, too, one of which the cops were called three times. The third time, they brought the helicopter. They never found anyone. We were going to call a fourth time, but we grabbed our shoes and baseball bats and instead ran down the street. After about 50 yards, I turned around and saw a man standing in the front lawn looking at us. I just kept running. My mother also caught an apparition in a picture, looking through the window, staring right back at us. You can see the detail of the person's face. Cheekbones, glasses, goatee, and half a body. I'll post that on here if I can. As usual, you can find a link to this story and the photograph referenced in it in the show notes for tonight's show. So it seems that a water-producing shadow person has occurred at least twice. I'm going to do a little more digging to see if I can uncover any other experiences like these two. In the meantime... Thank you, John, for taking the time to submit your experience. To say it was fascinating would be an understatement. And that does it for this evening's show. I want to thank you all for listening and offer a special thank you to all those that submitted stories. Before you move on with the rest of your day, please take a few minutes and rate and review the show on iTunes. Your opinion goes a long way, not only to drive in new listeners, but to also increase the number of stories submitted. While you're at it, check us out on both Facebook and Instagram. Please feel free to offer up suggestions for the show and where you'd like to see it go. It's always evolving and continuously growing, so I'd love to hear your feedback. If you like spooky stuff, jump on over to www.cryptopia.us and follow their blog. The good news is you can also listen to episodes of Here There Be Monsters podcast from their site. So, it's a win-win. All right, folks, that's it for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening, and until next week.
On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.